Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Good morning, New Song. Whoa, good job. All right. My name is Joe Sands. I'm here with my lovely wife of over 40 years, Myra, and uh, we are a lead elder here at the church. And so I have the distinct privilege of filling in for Pastor Justin. I certainly can't fill his shoes, but I am uh, up here and get the privilege of sharing the Word of God with you this morning. Got a lot to go over this morning, so let's jump right in. So how many have a cell phone? Got a cell phone? And uh, I don't know about you, but I have a code and my thumbprint and other fingers that I can unlock my phone with. And uh, how many like to lock your door at home? When you're home, you lock your door, okay? When you walk away from your car and you're shopping, do you lock it? Yeah, okay, take and do that. If you're on your computer, and uh, I mean, I like antivirus on my computer, and some places you go to, websites you sign on, you have to do multi-factor authentication, and all of that. What does all that have to do with? Security. Security. Protection. Alex, I'll take you out for after lunch. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of that has to deal with protection, does it not? Keeping us safe, okay? So don't we protect that which is valuable to us? Because... I got a bunch of stuff on here. I don't want people. I mean, my wife's got my code. She can get into my phone. She can do whatever. But I, I want it protected, okay? So that first blank, if our walk with Christ is important to us, then how do we protect ourselves spiritually? And to find that out, we're going to go into the book of Nehemiah. We're going through chapters 1 through 6. <clears throat> we're going to do a 10,000-foot flyover. We are going to move quickly. So, fasten your seatbelts, seats and trays in the upright position, let's go, okay? The book of Nehemiah, the children were in exile, and they were in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar had taken and come in and rounded all the Israelites up and hauled them off. Why did that happen? That happened because of their sin and disobedience to God. And God had removed the protection, and they got hauled off. So they were there. The walls of Jerusalem were destroyed, as well as many other cities in Israel. But after a period of time, and, and this covers 150 years. So after a period of time, they could take and they could return back to the cities. And between 2 and 3 million Jews at that time, about 50,000 of them, returned to the city of Jerusalem. Okay? And Nehemiah, he is writing this book. It's his memoirs. So he's at the end of his life. He was born in captivity. He was not taken in the exile. So he was born, but like any good Jew, he had a love. His first love was Jerusalem. And he still had that, and he was still greatly concerned about it, okay? So he was chief cupbearer. He had taken and worked his way up. He was chief cupbearer to the king, 
Now, if you don't know what that means, that simply means that he takes and gets to drink and eat everything that the king and queen. Why? Because he samples it all. And if he doesn't die, they go, great, safe, we can have lunch. If he dies off, well, let's find another one, okay? So, very trusted position. He was there. He had arrived. So, let's jump into verses 1 through 1, 3 through 2, 16, and I'm just going to run through these. In verse 3, he takes, and his brother, Nehemiah's brother, takes and comes, and he, so he asks him, he says, hey, how are things in Jerusalem? And his brother says, not good. The walls are down. They're living in a terrible condition, in a terrible state. And so he takes, and he, upon hearing that news, in verses 4 and 5, he mourns, he fasts, he prays about the situation. And doing my study, I found out he did that for 120 days, and he told no one. That wouldn't be me. Keeping something quiet for 120 days, it could be me, but, you know, that's, uh, I like to talk. I can keep confidential, but I like to share what God does. So, he took and he mourned and prayed and fasted. Verses 6 to the end of the book, he repents for the sins of the nation. So he clears up, he stands in the gap for the sins of the nation and gets things restored with God in that respect. In verses chapter 2, 1 through 10, this is fascinating. I encourage you to read it yourself because in there you read about how God provided now, if I was king, and my chief cupbearer said, hey, dude, I want to split. I want to go back to the city of my forefathers. It's all broken down. I'd be going, <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. You know, I wouldn't be letting the guy that tests all my food. He's the, he's the one in charge of all that. And he wants to leave? No, thank you. But in there, it tells about how God and not only did the king say, you can go, the king equipped him, and he blessed him, and he gave him wood for the gates. He sent letters. He sent soldiers with him and protect. It's, it's just absolutely marvelous. you got to read it. In verses 11 through 16 of chapter 2, we read how he got to the city, he walked around the walls, and still told nobody what he was going to do what God had put on his heart. Now, I want to give you a feeling of what it was like living in Jerusalem at that time, okay? Because it just was not a pretty situation. I'm going to read a whole bunch of words, okay? And if you have been, if any of these words hit home with you, take and go, okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've been there. I know what that feels like. And these people lived under that 24-7, 365, all right, here we go. Great pain, anxiety, sorrow, agony, misery, tribulation, hurt, heartbreak, joylessness, trial, discomfort, torture, hardship, affliction, danger, pain, acute physical or mental suffering, a state of extreme necessity or misfortune. Can you imagine living under that 24-7, 365? Take your worst day and multiply it out for years. And that's what the children of Israel in Jerusalem were living. So let's talk about walls. We read in Nehemiah chapter 2, 
17 and 18, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end the disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. So maybe you're here today and you see this pile of bricks over here and you go, well, yeah, I don't know about anything about a wall, but I can tell you that this kind of represents my life. Yeah, that represented my life, March 17th, 1981. And on that day, I died. And I said, my life is over, Lord. You can have my life. Whatever goes forward from here on out is your life and what you've done through me. So we're going to give you that opportunity at the end because God can do a great work. So for years, people walked by these, this rubble, until it became normal. So what is there in our lives that we walk by every day that we say, yeah, that's just normal. Maybe it's that, oh, I know I'm kind of a crass person. Oh, I know I can cut people. Maybe I'm a gossip. You know, this and that. You could fill in the blank. Well, and then you kind of fold your hands and say, and justify it all by going, well, that's just the way God made me. Is that really the hill you want to die on? That next blank. What has become normal in my life that I walk by every day. And I'll share that with you at the end. I'll share my life. Maybe we look at it differently. Maybe this is opportunities. And we walk by these opportunities. And we go, oh, you know what? <clears throat> I've changed my, uh, enough of dirty diapers in the, in the nursery. I don't need to do anymore. I know they need children's workers. Well, I know they need small group leaders, but no, 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 no. Oh, maybe I need to go visit somebody. And we walk by the opportunity. We just leave it laying there. When Myra and I got thrust into retirement in a very unexpected way, a little over two years ago, we had no idea what God had planned for us. And if you are at that point where you're coming up to retirement or you're just into retirement, we would love to sit down and have a conversation with you. Usually those are over meals, so hey, if nothing else, you get a free meal on us. We sit down at a restaurant and have a, a great meal and great fellowship together. So we're here to be a service to you. And I love the examples of our seniors in the faith at New Song that lead small groups, that take and are on dream teams, that help and volunteer and do things. They are great examples to us. I don't call myself a senior in the face because I'm just not old enough for that. I don't feel old enough. But I guess since I'm head elder, that says I am old enough. 
So, but I love the examples that they give us. So that next blank, what need am I walking by that God wants me to do something about? Only you can answer that. So now let's talk about Nehemiah. I find it very interesting. His name means comforter. And isn't that what safe walls, safe boundaries do for us? They make us feel comfortable. The walls of my home, when I am there, I am comfortable. I feel safe. And isn't that what we should be doing spiritually? That we should be taking and doing that. Because walls that are not secure, walls that have gaps, let things in that really shouldn't be let in. When it's wintertime, you got holes in your walls, <laughs> you get all kinds of little things that tend to want to crawl in there. So what are we doing? Chapter 3 talks about rebuilding the walls and the gates of the city, and it's a fascinating read other than if you can pronounce all those names. But it talks about all the different occupations. Every occupation in the city, everybody hopped in and got involved in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Even in one spot, it talks about that a guy's daughters was involved in helping to rebuild the walls. And isn't that the way it should be with church? We're all involved in helping in the mission of the church. In chapters 4 through 6.14, it talks about the opposition. And any time that we go to work and on our lives and we let God do something, we can expect opposition. Because what God loves, Satan hates. So you want to go to work on something, the battle is on. And you can expect it. Now, some of that we read in there was valid. I find it really fascinating how, and I'm going to use today's terminology to go back to then. They were living, some people, paycheck to paycheck. Just like today. Some people live paycheck to paycheck. Because we read that because they were mortgaging their lands they were selling their children into slavery just so they could have money to buy food to continue to live because it was all hands on deck while they built the walls. So they weren't doing their professions, so they had to rely on their savings. So I, I just find that very, very interesting. And Nehemiah, when he found out about it, he had to deal with it. It was a real-life situation. Some of it was there was so much rubble. There was so much rubbish around the the stones from everything being destroyed. They had to get rid of that. And so sometimes in our lives, when we go to work on stuff, we just have to get, there's real life issues that we have to deal with. And then we can expect opposition from outside. Now, if you are one of those people that can take and work in a rough work environment and you can hold your candle high for Jesus, I love you. God bless you. And I appreciate the people that can do that. But if you're not one of those people and your workplace is tearing you down, maybe it's time to find a new job. Maybe it's time to find a new friend. Because those are oppositions that we can do something about. 
So I give credit to my wife for this. So what, what do we do that helps us have healthy walls? Okay? And I loved what she came up with when I asked her this question. Spiritual exercise. Are we not a society that loves our physical exercise? That They just pop up all over the place. Spiritual exercise. So what does spiritual exercise look like? Consistent daily devotions. Time with the Lord in prayer. Time in worship. Family devotions. If you're married, what about time with your spouse? And I'm not talking, I mean, we raised three girls. Thank the Lord that's over. <laughs> that's behind us. Now we get the grants. We raised three girls and we got four grandsons. I mean, God's reward for not killing your kids. So, you get so busy. It's like, okay, I'll get the kids from here. Okay, uh, you get supper ready. Okay, um, tonight uh, I got laundry to do. Okay, would you do the dishes? And you're just tag-teaming this stuff. But what about spiritually spending time with your spouse? Praying, doing devotions, having spiritual conversations. What's God been doing in your life? You know, hey, I, honey, I need to bounce this off of you. This is what I think God's talking to me about, having those kind of conversations. Okay, now let's see if you guys are any better. First service, I got no response. Second service, I got three response. How many know what G-I-G-O is? Whoa. Oh, okay, we got one, two, three, four. Garbage in, garbage out. Okay? Garbage in, garbage out. So the ears and the eyes are the gateway to the soul. What are we listening to? What are we watching? You know, I can come up with any entertainment that I want. And I'm not saying that entertainment is all bad. Okay? But these things can sure be a distraction sometimes. So, being accountable, healthy relationships, not compromising our faith. And this last one, I don't know about you, but when I get tired, I get what I call the Elijah syndrome. And I just, I need some rest. I need to eat and I need to sleep. And if you don't know what the Elijah syndrome is, go study this the, about his life and you'll understand it. Getting tired, we need our rest. Sometimes that's easier said than done. Nehemiah 4.6, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. The Amplified says people had a mind to work. Love that. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you don't know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So question, that next one. Do you have a mind to work on your spiritual walls with enthusiasm? Do you have a mind to work on these things? Or do you go, oh, uh, okay, got to do this. So let's talk about the gates because the gates were burned with fire. What is the purpose of gates? The walls protect. The gates are where we let things in and out. The gates are the place of discernment. Okay, that's where we make the choices of what comes in. And I'm just going to throw this out there, and then I'm going to let it lay. 
Sometimes do we shut the gates to opportunities? We see the opportunities and we shut the gates and go, nope, I'm not doing that opportunity. Just a question for you to answer. But the gates are where we do that, and we need each other. 1 John 4.1 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. In Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What's accountability look like in your life? For me, I love business. Retired out of business, we still have commercial property. We're still involved in business that way. If you want to talk to business, let me tell you, I can talk all day long about business. I love business. I have people that I talk to and I consult with. If I've got business stuff that we can have an honest conversation. I have people that I'm spiritually accountable to that can take and say, hey, What's going on with you? I have people about relationships in different areas of my life. And it's not like Dr. Bill. Dr. Bill says you can say anything to anybody at any time as long as you do two things. Ask their permission and say it in love. To say it in love always, always trumps all else. But they don't have to have my permission. Because I want healthy walls. I want this for my life because it's safe. It provides safety. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future and so on. I know he loves me and wants my best. James 5.16 of says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And then we go on to read in Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now that doesn't look like that I go over and I say, hey, Charlie, man, my wife and I had another fight. And she's just, I don't, I don't know. And, and Charlie says to me, well, I think it's time to go see a lawyer. Really? Is that godly counsel? No. You find godly counsel that encourages you how to deal with that in a godly manner. It's not taking and going to somebody and saying, oh, let me tell you about so-and-so. Man, they have been a thorn in my sight. Oh, really? Yeah. You t- we ought to, you know. Yeah, I don't like them either. And you just start spreading gossip. No, no, no. That's called division in the body. And God doesn't smile at that. So that's not what accountability is. Accountability is sharing your soul, helping you maintain what healthy gates look like. When we do that, I find it so interesting. Nehemiah prayed for 120 days about a job that took 52 days to complete. 
And if we will spend time with God and with others, God can do the miraculous in our life. If we will take and just let him work in our lives in his way. Now, I want to, I want to share this with you, okay? Because I'm living this right now. And I argued with God. I said I didn't want to tell the story. And God said, no, you'll share the story. And here's the story. 35 years ago, my wife had hereditary scoliosis. She, after the birth of our first child, her curve had gotten to 70 degrees. She was straight on this side. This side went in and then came back. It was a 70-degree curve. She was living on Celebrex, and we had to do something. Okay? I need to add this in, so let me back this up. Last fall, one of those friends, we were doing a Bible study on Nehemiah. And we were talking about walking by and how this became normal. And a few days after that conversation, the Lord asked me a question. He said, Joe, what's become normal in your life that you're walking by, that you're justifying, that shouldn't be in your life? And I said, Lord, I don't know. I honestly don't know, but I want to know. So now we'll fast forward to last fall. My wife was in our office and our business. So after retirement, she got a whole lot busier. So when she came to me and she said, honey, the pain in my knees is too great. And we have to do something about this. Now, ladies, let me share with you the degree, okay? My wife gave birth to three girls, two of which were over 10-pound babies naturally. Can anybody say ouch? <laughs> okay? So when my wife said, it hurts, oh, baby, she had my full attention. And I'm like, okay, well, honey, let's go see an orthopedic doctor. Let's do something or other. Okay? So we took and we went. And he popped the x-rays up. And he said, you got one option. And I think we all know what that option was, knee replacement. I said, okay. So took and got that scheduled. So we started coming up to that. Now I'm going to go 35 years back, and I'm going to tell you a little bit of what her scoliosis surgery was like. Because at that time, they did about one of hers a month. It was a six-and-a-half-hour surgery, and I thank the Lord for the knowledge that he has given the medical community, and they do it way different than they did 35 years ago. So I'm talking this is 35 years ago. It was different. Okay? Six-and-a-half-hour surgery. It was a year-long recovery. She spent 10 days in the hospital. 
Okay. They did the surgery, and because she went straight from surgery to ICU, I saw her minutes after she woke up. She could say two things. I can't breathe because she has a scar from here to here. They took her insides out, laid them on the table, and they deflated her left lung. That's how they did it. She's got a rod about this long in her back, and today, thank the Lord, she is fine. But she said, I can't breathe, and I'm so cold. My wife looked like death warmed over. She was gray. And all the medical staff said she's fine. She couldn't tell that to my heart because I thought I was losing my wife. She looked like she was dying. At that time, I didn't realize what it had done to me. Because all I did was did what I had to do to get through. We had an 18-month-old little girl. Hadn't seen her mama in days. Finally was able to take her to the hospital. She snuggled up to her mama. And just laid there and went to sleep. Because she hadn't seen her mama in days. And what it did to me, I didn't know for 35 years. Remember, I said, Lord, I don't know what brick's missing, but I want to. So we got closer and closer to her knee replacement surgery. And my anxiety level started going like this. I got to the point where I couldn't even talk about her surgery without crying. It's been three and a half weeks ago since she had her first one. She gets her second one, Lord willing, April 8th. And she is doing marvelous, thank the Lord. Surpassing all expectations. And then the flashbacks started, and I knew I was in trouble. I knew that I had a hole. And I said, honey, it's time we deal with this, because I was a mess. Some people around me would tell you I was a mess. We prayed, and I could tell you today, that unrealistic expectation of losing my wife my greatest treasure on this earth is gone. She is in God's hands. And I know now that if God chooses to take her first, we always talk about the notebook. Everybody know the notebook? You know, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to go together. You know, but if God chooses otherwise, I know I can make it now. I wouldn't have been that way before. And God has healed my heart. And I'm so grateful for that. It's been so different for me the last four weeks or so. Because I haven't lived with that. So my question is, where's your hole? Where's the hole in your wall? What's causing that hole? Maybe you know it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like me that you just say, Lord... I want whatever you have for me. And if that means 
taken me through some things, take me through some things because I know I'm going to be better in the end. I find it so interesting. Nehemiah had it all. He was eating the king's food. He had everything. He had it made. And yet he left all of that to go to this. He left a place of comfort to go to a place of rubble. And in our country, that's a problem. Because we're all about comfort. Got my comfortable house. I got my comfortable car. I got my comfortable whatever. We're all about making life comfortable for us. I haven't found that's where God works on me at. God makes me uncomfortable to get a job done. And am I willing to leave and go to a place of rubble to allow God to work on me? So that's my question. If I had to rate the condition of my spiritual protective walls, and, and only you can answer that question, what would they be? One through five. And then what one action am I going to take to put another brick in my wall? I'm not a person that believes that you can work on a half a dozen things on your spiritual journey at one time. It doesn't happen. Pick out one or two things. Find somebody that can hold you accountable, that can stand with you. I can tell you a few weeks ago, all hell came against me in preparing this message. And I grabbed my cell phone and I started sending out to my best friends that I knew. And I said, I need help. Here's the battles I'm facing. Here's what's going on. And I surrounded myself. That last question, will I deepen my faith walk by following the Lord to a place that makes me uncomfortable? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that question. Down at the bottom, you see the group Mercy Me, and then the name of a song when Christ came. For me, when God starts wanting to work on me, I need to remember from whence I came. And this song does it for me. It reminds me that my life was nothing until Christ came. So this song is going to be playing as we leave here today. You can sit in the auditorium. You can listen to it if you want to. You can listen to it afterwards on your favorite streaming service. Whatever. I encourage you this week to listen to that song and say, God, how do I build a better wall in my life? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, let's take care of that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you say, I need Jesus, or maybe I, have, I know Jesus and I need to recommit my life because I'm not walking, 
Put your hand up. Okay. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me. Today, I die. And thank you that I become alive in Christ. Thank you for the salvation so rich and free. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of us, I'd like to just pray before we close. So let's do that. Father, thank you that your Holy Spirit knows right where each one of us is at in our journey with you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would tap each and every person on the shoulder, speak to their heart, and do a work in their lives. Father, make them more, make each of us more like Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.